let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back in your ears once again. Beer is in the glass and we're ready to go, aren't we, Martin? We are indeed, and I think we've got a new range of beers from Round Corner. So looking forward to trying those. We enjoyed the last ones we had from them. And uh, well, we've actually got the first one in the glass, Steve, already. We, we have, yeah. So we're going to be doing uh, four rounds of beer tonight. So we're not drinking the same beers this week, um, but we are drinking beers that are of a similar style to, to one another. So that for this kind of first round, we're both on a Saison, aren't we? We are, although... Um, without giving too much away. Mine appears to say Imperial for my first beer, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I might have stitched <laughs> you up slightly on, on, on the beer. first beer. Uh, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's, get, let's dive into these and, and give them a taste. Cheers. Cheers. I mean, mine's noticeably darker in colour than yours. Yeah, I mean, I've got... I'd say mine is probably what you'd con- consider classic Saison colouring. Yeah, mine is definitely much more the sort of orange amber kind of colour, which would have definitely not put me in mind of a, a saison at all. Yeah, but you've got some uh, adjuncts in in yours, haven't you? So what's 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 the one you're drinking? What are you on? So my one is called Me and Yuzu. It's seven point two percent. As I said, uh, it's Imperial Yuzu saison. Um, trying to work out what it's been. So we've got some Nelson Savin hops in there some Belgian Saison yeast. Um, and not sure if there's anything else because quite frankly, I can't read the small white writing on the orange label. I wouldn't be able to tell it as a Saison. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's got quite a really nice orangey. Um, the probably the only thing which is sort of hinting at it being a bit of a Saison or a bit of, one of a better phrase, a bit Belgian-y, it's just you start to get, there's a little bit of pepperiness towards the back end of it, right at mm-hmm. the back end of the throat. Not uh, like when you've had those ones with like uh, chipotle and that kind of stuff in it, the dark beer. But it's very tasty and very smooth, very easy to drink, but doesn't feel like a Saison. And I can't really remember, what, what would I... Exp- I haven't... Because the only other Yuzu beer that really springs to mind was Siren. have done Yuzu in the past. They, they have. Also, we did that um the first time we did a collab with rhythm and brews they made us drink that sour imperial yuzu thing that was horrific um but as far as i'm i mean i'm not up on my uh fruit and veg as as you would probably guess <laughs> but um, I, I think yuzu it's uh it's like a citrus fruit isn't it yeah it's a Jap- japanese citrus fruit yeah um, i believe so and there is definitely, you know, oranges and lemons and the general citrus kind of notes, both slightly on the aroma, definitely more in the flavour. But it's nothing which screams um, a saison, and it's definitely it definitely hasn't got any of the uh, any sour elements that come with some saisons. Um, but it hasn't got that. What it is lacking, and I'll liken it to the classic saison Dupont, is you know that really cutting dryness mm-hmm. that goes all the way through it hasn't got that either so yeah it's a bit of an odd one enjoyable but i'm not sure it quite marries up with the description yeah now i think mine might be a little bit closer to that classic saison dupont styling uh this is called saison du melton 
Um, it's a five, <laughs> this is 5.8%. Uh, and this is a collaboration with Honest Brew as, as well. So um, this one talks about having, uh, they've used pink peppercorns, cardamom, and orange peel with ca- coriander in, in this as well. And they've used New Zealand hops. Um, so it has... Um, it has got more of those classic saison yeah. characteristics. It's a little bit more funky, but it's again, it's it's not got that super funk dry finish that you'd get from uh, Dupont or, or a full on classic saison. But it's it's it is actually really really drinkable, and um, for five point eight percent, it's probably a little bit too drinkable at that ABV. So do you reckon they've gone for like a really accessible? Maybe even for both of them, but definitely on your one because it's, presumably it'll end up in the Honest Brew box. Um, they're going for something quite accessible on the saison front. I reckon so. Yeah, I mean, it does say on the um, on the label that uh, it's a it's a winter beer. Um, that, they, that yeah, I didn't think saisons were winter beers. I, I thought they were oh, brewed for the, the the workers in the field in, in yeah, in, in, which is in generally summer. spring and spring and summer. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's it's a decent beer. Uh, but you know, given that we had hardly had any bloody summer anyway, it'd be hard to tell, wouldn't it? Yes, very. But I am um, excited to try a couple of the other ones. I'm actually looking. I'm looking forward to one or two of the other ones. And it, you know, like I said, I am enjoying it. I'm just not sure it's as advertised. For me, okay, but then again, as you said, you've got no reference point. With yeah, my, my reference points are quite lacking <laughs> on this one. <laughs> my Yuzu research needs to be upped. Yes, yeah, you maybe should have tried some to, 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 to remind yourself what it tasted like. See, I didn't work hard enough. Yeah, well, while we're enjoying uh, these first beers, so these two saisons, um, we'll have a chat about our beer adventures. And um, I'm just going to sit back because, mate, you've been here, there and everywhere um, recently, haven't you? Um, Yes, (laughs) Uh, for want of a better phrase. Um, So uh, first up, um, I was lucky lucky enough. Well, we were lucky enough to get invited to... um, the toast launch of their collaboration series their companion series as they've called it uh that took place took place at the Tate modern a couple of weeks ago um unfortunately you couldn't make it um as chance and luck would have it i happened to be in the office that day it's not that i planned it at all to be in the office and to be a 15 minute walk away from the Tate modern that would be just too coincidental so i did go along uh, to the terrace bar and they had all of the companion series beers on tap. Um, had a few people there. I was uh, lucky enough to finally meet Rich from Utopian in person, minus the screen. So that was a, that was an absolute pleasure. I know you'd already met him when you went down to Devon, Steve. So that was really nice to actually say hello to him, given how, how much interaction we've had over the last year and a half with the with the launches and some other bits and pieces. So that was really nice. Um, Josh. Once of Budvar, um, and they will come later. And now, in the meantime, they were there because they had a, a beer, which I'll mention as well. So it's nice to see him again. And um, I'm sure some of his people, listeners are very familiar with, Nat Watson was there. So um, she's uh, doing another round of beer with Nat, her school from January. So she's getting all prepped for that at the moment as well. So that was uh, nice to see her in person. 
so yeah it was really nice to, again see a few people be at the events um we've been to the terrace bar at the tape before steve i think we went there for a form bridge for their rebrand launch yeah yeah and i've been for a couple of other ones there as well it's a really nice bar i mean the only the only downside of that particular bar is that it's facing away from the thames rather than facing to the thames but still a really nice bar the 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 tap setup is just a piece of artwork in my opinion the way all the taps are designed so they filled up all of those taps and they had a few in the in the back room um on the little machines the keg machines and uh you know kegerators and a few other places dotted around i'm i'm impressed that they managed to get all 26 on because they're not exactly a craft beer bar are they that's going to have that, that would necessarily have that much tap space free yeah i mean i i think we only had 25 but i think the point still stands anyway <laughs> well, uh, if i remember okay, correctly yeah. from the evening but you are right um that 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 was you know i think they actually did really well to get everything on tap and for one evening to be honest um so uh, I think there were a few other uh, breweries there as well. I think Bedlam were there, so I was chatting to Bedlam as well. Um, but obviously the main thing was that all of the toast team were there, in, including the two chief toaster, as one of them's called, and uh, the, the the guy behind it, whose name escapes me at the moment. And they gave a bit of a chat about the whole, what they were trying to do with this companion series. And it is, probably take a step back. So toast, for those who aren't aware, they use surplus white bread that would go to waste essentially is what they're doing so the point of what they do just as a brewery themselves and i think they've been doing it since 2015 is to brew with surplus bread bread that will be thrown away so again if we think about the you know the environmental impact of food waste on a like a global scale there's about 1.3 billion tons of food is wasted everywhere every year according to the un so this is just a really small percentage of it, but it has quite a massive impact on the client on climate change, the amount of food that is wasted across the globe. Um, and it's something that my actual company I work for is definitely very into. And on the run up to uh, COP26 in Glasgow, then this is what they've been doing. This is like the brewers getting together. I think they've issued a statement they want to show what can be done about the food waste and highlighting it. And what two things I want to say about firstly about the beer in general. Toast. I think the beer from Toast has got enormously better over the last couple of years. I think they've really dialed in some of their stuff. We now have it as the house beers at work. So we have the uh, session session IPA, the pale ale, the American pale ale. And for the purposes of research, I, I tested all three before I went to the toast launch because that's how dedicated I am to this Steve <laughs> and um because I happened to have got, there was a bit of a drinks reception that evening went over there and but the bit the, all all of the there's 25 beers on tap I would even even <laughs> even I would have struggled to see 25 in one evening um I did try 10 of them good effort uh, yeah good effort mate thank yeah you. um almost they half were, they were all really nice and there's not, I don't think there's any real way of telling that bread has been used as part of the making of the beer. Yeah. So it doesn't detract from it, which I think is a very key point. The thing, uh, like when we were talking before about the beers which were for the wildlife charities, it's, it's brilliant to have these messages, but ultimately you've still got to have a product you can mm. sell. 
to get that message to get out further and wider. So the beers were all really good on the evening, and you know, just a little snapshot of some of the some of the brew, some of the breweries involved. So I, met, I mentioned Bedlam, Rich from Utopian, so they were obviously there. Um, you know, they they did go with some big ones, probably the biggest Guinness. So they're working with. They I did. was really surprised to see there was a that there was a club yeah. of Guinness. Yeah, I mean it's um, a stout, but <laughs> yeah, well, unsurprisingly, uh, which, which which is pleasing because you wouldn't want to have a Hop House thirteen turn up, would you? Really. No, but I think that's that's all quite also quite clever of Guinness because you know they've essentially they've removed Hop House Thirteen from the UK market because they said they wanted to focus on just the stout product over here now, and that's what they're known for is 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 the stout. So it would it's probably to be expected that the collaboration that they did is a stout. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they like I said they also worked with Meantime, who I messaged, and and it was a bock. Double bock, but they're done with meantime. And it was absolutely delicious. I'm not sure I should have had half a pint of that at about 8%, if I'm being honest. Is that why you only got to 10? That, that, that <laughs> could have contributed to that as well. Um, you know, one of our favourite breweries, Adnams. I mean, they did also brew with Beavertown. So there's, they didn't discriminate in regards to certain parts of the, you know, big beer. Yeah. Um. And there's obviously a couple of uh, beers which I think Toast have all have done themselves as well in, within that thing. But it was a really, it was a really good launch. Um, I did order the box myself, which a few people may have seen some pictures on on Twitter recently. So I did order it myself as well the next day. Um, Twenty six beers, a glass, some snacks, um, information, and it's just under ninety pounds. Now it's a bit of a big hit in one one go for a lot of people i acknowledge that um but per unit it probably still balances out roughly the same as if you were buying mm. six packs 12s that kind of thing a mixture of 440s and 330s and a mixture of cans and bottles quite an ingenious uh box design so it was all really well packaged no no so i don't know if they spoke to sean at beer central about how to bomb proof your beer <laughs> deliveries um, but it came, everything was in immaculate condition, which was really nice to see as well. So I have to admit, I, I really enjoyed the evening. I enjoyed the message behind it. I've enjoyed the message about Toast since they started and trying to get them to be the house beer at work. Now that the company I work for has really stepped up their, their sustainable ambitions as well, then they are now the house beers. The beers are better. All the beers are tasted on the night. And I have subsequently found out as well that pretty much around the time the show comes out, um, there is going to be a, another tap takeover at the Terrace Bar and the beers will be on there pretty much for two weeks. So pretty much to cover the the climate summit that's been held in Glasgow. So anyone who is in the London area or is coming into London, those beers will be all available to try. And like I said, I'm at the ones I've sampled already. I really enjoyed them. I have set set aside some for you and I to sample on a show in the future, Steve, as well. So you'll be able to give your thoughts on some of them. But yeah, for me, the the I mean, Utopian, it was good as you'd expect. The the meantime was a double bock. Um, I tried a beer from Hepworth, who I don't know too much about, an old ale that was delicious, really nice. So yeah, the, the, all the beers were different, and all the beers were good. 
So I am looking forward to diving into that box and uh, sharing a, f- a few with you as well. Well, that's, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Is that, is that the beers are good, first and yes. foremost. Yeah. And, and that, um, because it, it's, it's one of these things that, yes, it's been, it's been done to support the conference that's going on and it's been time to release at the same time. But certainly within the, the, the beer community, if, if those beers go out into the market and they're not very good, that will overshadow the message that they're trying to put out with, with people saying, Oh, this isn't very good. This is a, this is, you know, this is a poor experiment gone wrong sort of thing. So it's, um, it's great to hear that what they've produced. And I've obviously, you know, you sent me pictures over of all the beers and yeah, I mean, they seem to have literally covered off all of the bases in terms of pretty much every single style that, that you could, you could think of. Well, just give you so there's a raspberry scotch ale, there's a hoppy porter, there's a smoke porter, there's Kavik IPA, there's a black lager, there's a premium bitter, there's a new world pale ale. And that's just the first seven yeah. on, on, on my notes that I've got in front of me. So that's a that's not a bad start. So I think probably that maybe the coordination from what is a relatively small team at Toast, um, and I don't know where any of them listen, but a shout out to them because the communications I had back and forth with them before and after. The event was so good, so prompt. It was a, it was an absolute pleasure to deal with them, but they must have worked with the different breweries about what styles they wanted to do, or someone else doing something similar to get that real mix in there. You know, I mean, and the Raspberry Scotch Ale mentioned—that's the one from Adams. Yeah, it really surprised me when I saw that one from <laughs> from, from Adams of of, of all yeah. people. Um, in the meantime, was a blonde doppelbock. I mean. Really, I mean that's not what I expect Meantime to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Assuming that most of the, the the collaborations were possibly done as kind of email collaborations rather than because if if you're saying that Toast are a relatively small team, yeah, getting round to twenty because I think two of them are your own that their own beers, yeah. so getting round to twenty four other breweries would be um, a hell of a challenge, and and also you'd have to question the climate ch- tie in there in terms of the, the miles they were doing to get <laughs> yeah. to, to, to breweries to well definitely if you think utopian in, in the middle of devon uh fine ales is one of the people they collaborated with i mean you would straight away you're going to be covering a few miles aren't you well the, yeah i mean those two just those two <laughs> are opposite ends of the country they couldn't be further away from each other yeah so just as a starting point yeah i mean you're quite right um you know and obviously there is the whole thing that they they would they had to go to a central point because they have to get boxed and sent out to people. So there is a logistic uh, element to it. And there is a, uh, you know, a cost to the environment. But then I guess the argument is, can we make a bigger message with this than the, maybe this, the detrimental effect of the climate change? Mm. All of these breweries are making beer and sending them out all the time. So, at least on this occasion, they're sending them out with a message attached to them, I suppose. And like I said, it really is. I was, I wish I'd remembered his name. The, the other, the the guy who who's really passionate about the whole environmental aspect about it. Um, he's obviously given this kind of talk before, first and foremost. Um, five minutes. He he knows that he knows that people had a beer, and he knows that people had a limited amount of it and he had a five minute bit he wanted to say. And it was very, it was very good. It was very inspiring. 
Um, and it's something that I personally, personally hate food waste. Mm. I really, really hate food waste, even just from the basics of the fact that it's literally throwing money away and so many people don't have access to some of those foods we're throwing away. So anything which highlights it, anything which gets it into people's minds about what you can can do, I think has to be a good thing. Um, I just don't think with anything you do, there's no never going to be a not a cost in some shape or form. So yeah, I it was a it was a fabulous evening. Nice to see people. Nice to be part of something that felt like there was a something close, fairly close to my heart involved in it as well. And I'm so pleased that the box, which I didn't think was going to turn up till November, has arrived. Um, I just need some of the damn breweries to start putting their beers on untapped that I tried on the <laughs> evening. Apart from that, it was it was wonderful. <laughs> it, 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 sound, it sounds like it was a fantastic evening. I was I was genuinely gutted that I couldn't make it, um, but I'm I'm glad that you were able to get along and and, and kind of have a have a look around and, and and give the beers a go and certainly I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to um the show i think it's a couple of episodes time where we're going to go through um a few of those beers and and give them a yep. bit of a try sort of live as, as as well so to speak so very much looking forward to that yeah yeah no like i said it was it was a shame but um you know i i took a hit for the team steve well done well done. Uh, while you've been talking uh, about that event, I've finished my Saison de Melton. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really, really drinkable because <laughs> it's gone. Um, it could do with maybe just being a little bit more funky, uh, a little bit more spicy, a little bit more peppery on the finish. Um, but it's certainly one on a hot day. You could uh, you find yourself smashing a few of those back quite easily. Yeah, I did notice you were just drain, you know, I don't mean drain pouring, pouring it down. Drain pouring it into my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> while I was chatting. Um, but I've um, I've managed to take a little bit of a breather. I finished off mine and I haven't got too much to add other than the fact that, like I said, I actually don't think it has enough saison E about it. I don't think it has enough of those qualities. If it wasn't, if it was just an Imperial Yuzu, I reckon that would probably work. Apart from that age-old question about where does Imperial sit on the ABV, but we probably yeah. haven't got enough show time for that. No, that's an interesting one, that. Um, so maybe, but at least with the Yuzu bit, you're, you are advertising that, like you say, those citrusy notes kind of thing. Got all of that. I just didn't get much of the Saison. So so you've already, have you already opened your second one, Steve? I have already opened my second one. Uh, we're on to, I think we're on to a round of lagers now. Have you got a lager? I do have a lager indeed. Okay, so I've got Frisbee, which is uh, their straight-up lager. It's 4.2%, uh, and this is from their core range. Um, and I think this is probably, when you go to their tap room, this is their house lager as, as well that they have. Well, you should know this. I know. It was a lot. It was a few months ago now, mate. And there was lots, a lot of beer. Lots of <laughs> there was a lot of beer. Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of hopping spree and um, gunmetal that, yeah, that, that contributed to... That's where the problem lay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so but, my, my one is uh, Endless Travels Vienna Lager, 5%. Is this a new one? I believe that is a new one, yeah. That's that's one of their new beers, yeah. Okay, shall we uh, dive in then? Cheers. Cheers, Steve. Looks like a lager. It smells like a lager. And it tastes like a lager. It's, um, you, you can see where they've aimed this at 
particularly in terms of people coming into their tap room and just saying, I have a lager, please, because actually it's a really, really no thrills lager. And do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong I, at all. I, I don't know if, I've, if we've mentioned this, but I've noticed a lot of the places I started going back into in London, Guinness is appearing on a lot of the taps. And I'm pretty certain I know why, because I have been in there myself when people have come in, looked at the board and gone, have you got anything like Guinness? And they tried to tell them about one of these other porters or stouts that they've got. And I've actually seen people leave just because they didn't have the Guinness. Mm. And, you know, and I've got no doubt they're able to do some good pricing with Guinness as well. But I would say there's at least three or four places that pre-pandemic would not have entertained having Guinness on. And Guinness is in there. So if I think about what Round Corner are doing, that there's a group of you go in there, one or two of you are the beery geeks, and your other mates have said, okay, well, we'll go then. You've got a lager. Yeah. Makes it makes financial sense, doesn't it? It makes it makes absolute sense, yeah. And 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 it I think I think particularly with your um comment there about Guinness, sometimes people want that familiarity of yeah. that they that they know what they're getting and yeah i mean this is you know considering that melton mowbray is a fairly small town in in the east midlands um and round corner find themselves there with their tap room yeah they probably get a lot of visits from local people that are probably just looking for a straight up lager and and this ticks those boxes 4.2 percent again hot summer's day you'd, you'd happily sink a few of these Nicely sessionable strength as well. Yeah. So, no, I, I think it makes perfect sense. I, you don't want to alienate people. No, no. That's, you want that's to the bring them thing, in. Yeah. You yeah. might then get the chance, as the evening goes on, someone might say, oh, shall we do uh, like a, a paddle, a few beers, you, because you've already got them there. But you need, to, you need to have them there in the first place. You need to keep them. So I think whatever you need to do, you should do it personally. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I get it completely. I mean, my, my Vienna lager, I suppose, like a lot of my lager benchmarks these days, Utopian. <laughs> uh, had the Utopian Vienna lager very recently. And actually, at Leon, I think it was at Leon C. I think they might have had it on tap because uh, generally my Utopian beer experience has been cans. And um, this is very comparable with it. Slightly stronger, like I said, at the 5% but it's got that sort of multi backbone to it, a little bit of sweetness. It's got quite, it's quite dry actually, which I wasn't expecting. There's not mm. something I normally associate with it, but it's got that dry quality to just haul you back in for a, some more of it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, 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 it is good. But again, if your lager drink is turning up, I'm probably going to offer you, offer them your 4.2 first rather than my 5% one. Because again, Bit of a difference in colour. Yeah, yours is, that. yours is considerably darker. If you if if you gave that to somebody that only drinks lager in pubs, they would question that that whether that's a lager or not. I think because yeah. that look actually looks more like a bitter. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, we know, but that doesn't help your someone just coming off the street, does it? No, you no. might be able to get them to that. 
Right, do your one first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, it's it's four point two percent, mate. It's not going to hang around in my glass very long. <laughs> I know you've still got uh, a couple more bits to talk about, so you better go quick. That's that's all I'm going to say because otherwise you're going to hear the ca- the sound of another can cracking open. <laughs> okay, so sticking with the lager theme. So how, how very how very apt. Um, Budvar. Um, did a bit of a collaboration launch um, a couple of days ago in London and at uh, Pivo, which I know a few people who listen to the show have been to. So it's the Czech, they call it a Czech beer hub, but I think in London, there isn't many more like it apart from uh, probably Bohem who actually brew their own beer as well. So um, as it turns out, as I found out recently, they're only about a 20 minute walk from the office on the corner of old street so I had tried to go there before and that pet hate of mine where they had advertised opening hours but were closed for an event but couldn't make a sign on the door to say closed. But never mind, I'll come back to that another day. That's a different <laughs> show, Steve. Yeah, I, I, know, I know you're stewing on that one. You know, you know how I feel. You know how I feel <laughs> about this. Um, but the opportunity to at last go to Pivo and... Uh, a Budvar evening. You know, I don't think we've made any any. Um, <laughs> we haven't hidden our love for Budvar lager over the years. So I thought, well, okay, they're doing a collaboration, a beer called Bohemian Idols, um, and it's a collaboration lager brewed with Pivovar Clock, who are, especially compared to Budvar, a lot smaller. And I think, if I remember correctly from what they said, it's also the first collaboration beer that Budvar have done that has come out of the Czechia as well. It's, it's the first time I've heard of them doing a collaboration. Um, and it's interesting that they've collaborated with actually, because we've we tried some clock beers when we went to that event at the Czech Embassy a few years back. They, they were a very, very small, they had a single table, so almost on the way out. And they had big bottles of their beer and they were just opening them and letting people sample them. And I think every single one we tried, we absolutely loved. And I think we might have come away with a couple of bottles as well. We did. We did. Because they're, um, they're a sort of craft brewery, aren't they? Yes. Oh, they, they are very craft and they are very small. Um, and so they had their, their brewer from over there. They had the essentially the, the brand ambassador these days from, or whatever the equivalent title is now from Budvar, who we virtually met on a Budvar night two or three months ago and they did like a beer and cheese pairing and they had, they had the Imperial Lager. And... Um, it's really nice. I mean, firstly, the beer, hoppier than normal because it's very low hops, aroma mm. and flavour that you get from the Budvar beers. And as we got told more than once when we were there, it's all about the harmony. Yes. Yeah. And guess what? That phrase came out again the other night as well. Oh, did it really? <laughs> oh, surprise, yeah. surprise, surprise. <laughs> and I thought, hold on, I've heard this bit. Um, but because they were doing a collaboration with a craft brewery, they, they essentially they said this is the most hops they've used for a a beer, um, and it's reflected in the beer. It was, it was it was soft, it was aromatic, very easy to drink. A lot less of that um, malt forward aspect of the Budvar that you'd normally associate with it. A um, little bit of like almost like lemon lemongrass aroma, but really drinkable, very nice. Um, Love, again, lovely event. Pivo Bar is lovely. Um, it's got like a lo- downstairs event space. 
It's then got a bar area on the right and it's got a bit to the left, which feels a bit more, I wouldn't say intimate, but somewhere you go and sit there, maybe have a bite to eat, that kind of thing. So it covers quite a few bits and pieces. Um, obviously, had the budvar as you would. All of the beers were Czech pours. So a good half of the, the budvar glasses were filled with, you know, beer and foam. Um, I, I got invited to try doing it myself. And can I just honestly say, while it looks easy, it ain't. I was, I was, my question was going to be, how badly <laughs> did you fuck that up? I, I, well, first, I couldn't, uh, the taps, I, I'm going to say, first of all, because I was unfamiliar with the tap setup and how the taps work, that didn't help me. However, even when I did get familiar with the tap setup, I only got marginally better with my, my delivery system. Um, and then they, what they also did was they did um, some Budvar Dark and Budvar Blended. But, yeah, I saw the pictures of that. Yeah, but with look, it, it looked like an Irish coffee essentially in a pint glass. So it had the dark, the light, and then the foam in the glass, and they started doing that and passing it round. So naturally, I put my hand out for that. Really nice, uh, just a bit odd, but it looked beautiful in the glass and the the the, the picture of it. Um, but I also, want to give a shout out to a couple of people I spoke to. So um, Nat was there again. Um, and also met up with a uh, beer angler, Johnny. So we actually uh, met at the Old Fountain, which has been in my head since I saw it on the Craft Beer Channel saving cask series that they're doing. Um, I went back to there. And can I just say the atmosphere in there, it wasn't packed, but it was busy. But it just felt really good to be in the Old Fountain. Mm. Hadn't been there for a number of years. Well, A, for obvious reasons, but because it's not on a direct route from the office, um, had some Anne's Back and Hob Day London ESB, which was absolutely delicious. Really, really tasty. Um, but the first beer, which I messaged you about, um, Oakham Citra, because that's like a bit of a default for me. But for a sparkler. And I was surprised that. by this, yeah. Yeah. It may even been what we have learned is called a creamer. So the really tight head. Um, so it looked absolutely divine in the glass but it stripped away some of that hoppy bitter spikiness that i associate with an oakum citra and it devalued the beer and that so i know this is going off a bit of a tangent but it was definitely one of those moments where those conversations we've had with rich at the vic are pertinent that not every beer should have it Mate, I'm, I'm I'm sitting here shaking my head because right now, I, I know that Rich is listening to this and he has got the smuggest of smug faces on, probably t- muttering to himself, I told you to, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does seem a strange beer to uh, choose to pour through a sparkler because like, like you say, I, much like yourself, associate oakum citra with, with having a really spiky bitter finish to it yeah you know and and that's that that's what makes that beer to have all of that stripped away just doesn't seem like it would work i don't see the point of having oakum citra you might as well have some other blonde beer but doesn't have quite so pronounced notes anyway yeah if anything i would have expected the esb maybe to have had that because it's slightly darker beer a bit sweeter a bit like landlord's I think benefits from the sparkler for lots of reasons, but some of it is because it strips away some of the hedgerows kind yeah. of thing. 
Um, but yeah, that was that was a little bit disappointing. Um, but then I did I, I I balanced that bit of disappointment by finishing on a pint of Colonel. So you know, yin and yang, yin and yang. Only comes in pints, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, apparently there was no other measures available. No glasses. That's, that, yeah, that's what I thought. It's yeah. only comes in pints. Yeah. So, yeah, again, it was this lovely, lovely evening at Pivo. Great to speak to people. The the people from the Budvar team are so nice. Um, actually, two of the ones who Clayton and myself had, had uh, been spent quite a bit of time talking to at Brew London were both there as well. And it was, again, it was just... We've done about 18 months. I've been lucky enough to attend... Ooh launches via zoom and chats via zoom and stuff to have some of these in-person sort of live events again and chat to people has been really nice um and yes you know i i i know they that there's still a risk element out there we know what's going on outside of the beer world we know what's going on with infections at the moment but i have to admit it's it's felt nice it hasn't been too packed hasn't been too busy i've been in london anyway because i have transitioned to work in a few days in the office so to round off those days with those kind of events, I have to admit, has been really good. And you will be pleased to know, Steve, I do have a can of Bohemian Idols with your name on it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I, I was once again gutted that I couldn't make that event. And um, I, I'm sure our listeners, as much as I am, are really, really enjoying listening to your uh, beery adventures and, and living vicariously through what you've been drinking the last couple of weeks, <laughs> mate. Um, yeah, I can't hear enough of it. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, no problem. I mean, I've got pictures <laughs> and video. In fact, I do have uh, two short videos of uh, that Nat took of me trying to, trying to do the check pour. And uh, yeah, I don't think I need to give up the day job just yet. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rush to. Yeah. Just one more little brief shout out um, <laughs> before we get to the bo- bottom of the log because mine is going. I have to admit. Um, I was lucky enough to go to, um, not everyone will think this is lucky, depending on your, your sporting allegiances. Um, but I went to see the Beavertown Brewery set up at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium a couple of days ago. Uh, a couple of reasons. One is I genuinely wanted to see it and see the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And unless Liverpool are playing there, I've got no real desire to go and watch Tottenham playing. Uh, but also Joe, Llewellyn Jones, AKA the, the rambling beer man has been our, our host for all of our work, virtual work beer tastings of which we've had about eight now over the course of the last year or so. And he, he's shortly to be leaving uh, Beavertown to go to a smaller local brewery, uh, which works out better for him, like family wise. And I said, right, Joe, you've been promising me a little look around. If you're leaving, we need to do it soon. So got it set up. End up in Stoke Newington on the way to Tottenham Hotspur, dropped in at a couple of places, the Axe and Mother Kelly's, which I didn't know Mother Kelly's was in Stoke Newington. Um, and just for a bit of personal information for people, I grew up in Stoke Newington to see this bit of London in the way that some of it is now. And with these kind of drinking establishments is a far cry from when I was there in the 70s and 80s, I can tell you. And um, uh, surprised Mr. Pete Brown, who was walking past Mother Kelly's with his dog, quietly minding his own business till I shouted out Pete (laughs) and had a brief chat with him so nice to see Mr Brown again in in the flesh and uh, but the Mother Kelly's tap room is a nice little the Mother Kelly's bottle shop is lovely six taps loads of fridges and a walk-in cold room as well as well so looks wonderful really nice setup really friendly in there the axe uh, looks like it was a one once upon a time judging by the Watney Coombe Reed's 
uh, livery outside and the tiling must have been a wonderful uh, old proper boozer. 20 taps, good range of beers, had some really nice ones in there. And then made their way up to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And it really is a fantastic, it looks like a spaceship has landed in that bit of North London. Um, it's two or three minutes walk away from White Hart Lane on the overground. Obviously now you've got the Beavertown Corner Pin pub has been opened, um, which allegedly is their for Beavertown's first ever pub. I mean, who knew? Hang on. Didn't I know. They, didn't they start <laughs> in, in the basement of a pub? Yeah, but apparently that was a brew pub, not a pub. It was a fucking pub. Yes, I know it's a fucking yeah. pub. We all know it's a pub. Um, <laughs> I, I like the way they've, properly... they've kind of rewritten their history. Yes. There. Uh, I tell you what, it's properly Beavertown as well. Beavertown on the outside, Beavertown on the inside. They sell Beavertown beer. Um, the brewery setup is impressive. I tell you what. Um, uh, that, but they generally only brew one beer and they can't brew almost enough of it most of the time. And that's neck oil. No, that's, that's not brewing. surprising. No, uh, it's all, not. Is it? Um, obviously, the White Heart, they do have the, I think we tried it as the White Heart IPA in Cannes, but it, I think it's called One of Our Own now. So I think they've rebranded it for the stadium. Uh, they've got that, but that's about it. But ironically, go in, walking, walking in the stadium, walking past all these bars. I tell you what, there's loads of bars. And I keep seeing piles and piles of American light lagers because I completely forgot they'd done two weekends of NFL during the international mm. football break. And apparently they have, the bars have never sold as much beer as those two NFL weekends. So it's that um, because you shared a picture of the, of the bar as well. And I, I, I picked up straight away that the board in the back said it, it was basically Budweiser and Bud Light and then there was craft A and craft B op yeah. options. Now, clearly in, in, in the States, there is a huge financial tie-in with, with Budweiser and yeah. the NFL. Assuming that's some sort of worldwide licensing agreement that any, any stadium that agrees to host a, an NFL event also has to take all of the associated products as well? Presumably, and... I didn't look, but I'm guessing that may have that may have included fooding, food as well. I don't know. Um, and merchandise, obviously. But yes, definitely on the beer, because like you say, they've craft A and craft B. Now, I don't know whether those craft A and craft B were still the Beaver Town beers, or whether it was like when I went to the State Fair in Arizona three or four years ago, and they they were obviously still the big beer at the uh beer kiosks, but they would have a craft option, but they didn't really name it. Mm. So I, I I couldn't tell you if Craft A and Craft B was Neck Oil and one of our own or Neck Oil and Gamma Ray. But yes, all the other brandings, obviously they couldn't remove all traces of Beavertown, but on the bar, it was definitely all about Budweiser. Yeah. It's, in, it's interesting that, isn't it? That, yeah. that, those, that those financial sponsorship agreements in, in, in the States are huge, aren't they? I mean, they, well, they're everything. That, well, that, if you think about it, two, I mean, two things. Presumably, unlike during a football match over here, I'm guessing the fans were able to drink during the match. So let's assume that. Yeah. And you've got 60, 70,000 fans. NFL matches from pre-match to match uh, takes a lot longer than a <laughs> it UK. It goes on for days, match. doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. It, well, it feels like it when I watch it. And I know that there are some people who 
enjoy NFL and understand it way better than I do, but it does go on. It's an event. Every match yeah. is an event. So people are there for longer as well. Let's say almost double the time. And because it's a, a gay part of this international series that the NFL does when they go to different countries, let's assume it's even more of an event where people who love NFL get the chance to see their favourite players. They're going to be there as early as possible and maybe stay a bit later as well. Mm-hmm. Potentially you're talking about four or five maybe six hours. You don't generally get that in a stadium for a football match over here. So that, though, all those factors together, you can just, I can't even begin to imagine how much bud they got through. Just, yeah. It, <laughs> tons. Yeah, literally. Just, yeah, yeah. It was, but it's, it is, you, you are right. It's an interesting thing, but obviously the sponsorship travels. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the thing that, 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 it's it's obviously written into those the the agreements that if you're going to host this event at your stadium, you're you're getting the entire NFL franchise, which includes all food and drink concessionaries and and and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, and like you say, in terms of food, maybe maybe we don't know that, but I, I do. I know as as you say, I know Lou and Ian are, are big NFL fans, and I know I know Lou listens to the show, so she might be able to to, to feed back as as to whether or not it is the whole thing that they have to take um, in order to get the sport on the pitch. Mm. Because also, that's probably the reason why they can only do it at certain times. Yeah. So the international break gives you at least two weekends when you haven't got matches going on because you've got two matches going on one weekend, one weekend. And then you've got the whole logistical operation of removing all of those items you don't normally sell, getting all your branding back in. Yeah. Uh, presumably sorting out the pitch because there's a very different impact on the pitch, American football to, you know, proper football. Sorry, Lou. Um, she's going to hammer me for that, I'm sure. <laughs> but. That, that there's lots of logistics around that as well. So, but yeah, I'll be really interested to, to know about that. But what I would say is that I did enjoy all the beers. Neck, fresh tank, fresh neck oil was rather tasty. Um, drinking the beers over at the uh, corner pin was very good. Tried the Bones Lager at last. It's just a lager. There's nothing particularly exciting about it, but it ticks that box. So if you've got people who want to go in and they want a lager, then Beaver Town have made their own one. Here you go. Probably slightly better than a macro. It's like the round corner one that, that yeah. I've just, just finished. It's, it's designed to do a job. It's, it's designed to, I imagine, designed to be the house lager uh, at the stadium. Yeah, and, and why not? It bones. It, fit, it all fits in with everything that they do. And it was missing from their range. They've plugged the gap. Yeah. Job done. But, I, I, you know, I know that I don't think Joe does listen to the show, but I was a really, it was really nice for him to set aside some time on his Friday night. Um, he came over to the corner pin with us, left a bit later than he was meant to. So apologies if he got a bit of earache when he got home. But it was um, it was really nice to see him again. And it was really nice for him to let us have a little look around. And the stadium in itself, if you're a fan of that kind of architecture and sports stadia, it's definitely well worth a visit. And there ended my beery adventures, Steve. Two beers it took to get through those, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Two, two whole beers. Um, 
on the, on the flip side of that is I haven't been out and or, and, and done anything. Um, I really haven't. But I have been uh, continuing my journey through my 50 beers for 50 years. And, and I, I do want to try and incorporate this journey into the show as much as possible, because obviously the, the, the podcast is kind of part of the reason why I've ended up being so far into beer as I am. So it's, it's kind of like they're linked. So uh, I'll just give a, a quick update as to where we're at with, with, with the 50 beers. So um, the one that I drew from the magical salting tankard on, on the last show was the Courage Russian Imperial Stout, which was a beer that you gave me. I could, um, remembered after the show that you had actually given me that one uh, a couple of years back when you was having a bit of a cellar clear out and you realised you had a load of them. So, so you passed one on to me and that was delicious um really smooth really chocolatey um just a really good straight up russian imperial stout um yeah. from <laughs> from 2012 so almost 10 years old as well and that that was tasting banging um the next one i had was uh from distruce which was clash of the titans that was a barley wine that was a barrel aged barley wine that was just in the cellar to to be drunk so Really, really enjoyed that. Uh, that was a, a, another tasty one. And there's very, de- there's definitely a theme here, <laughs> well, in terms of the beers. So, um, Gibraltar Porter from the Cheshire Brew House was the next one out. A beer that I know both you and I have loved on a number yeah. of occasions. Um, that's obviously a good year old now, maybe even eighteen months, and that taken on a whole new characteristic to it as as, as well. So, really enjoyed that one. And then the most recent one. Uh, that, that I enjoyed uh, this past weekend was a two-year-old bottle of Thornbridge St. Petersburg with the old Thornbridge branding. So it had floor on, on, on the front. Oh, okay. And I, I love St. Petersburg um, and I've, I've never aged it. And an aged St. Petersburg takes on a whole new characteristic to it. It, it, it. Its body seems to thicken and it was, it was really viscous. Um, but just like really roasty, dark bit of chocolate. So that that was an absolute delight to enjoy that um, almost two years on. Um, what, what percentage is the St. Petersburg, Steve? 7.4%. See, because I think that's Imperial. Probably, yeah, but that's probably one of the reasons why, and that, and that goes to the whole Halcyon question as well, but um, that's probably one of the reasons why we've probably never really deliberately aged at St. Petersburg because... It doesn't feel like almost like the ABV is high enough to do it. No, and I, I think I aged this one because I think it was because it had the, the old branding, and that was the only reason that I was keeping it. Um, but it was it was really tasty, um, and yeah, I love Saint Petersburg, and I think we're coming back into Saint Petersburg season. I, I, I think I'm pretty sure Cambridge brew it towards the end of the year. Um, yeah. But I'm gonna um, I'm gonna draw my next Ooh. beer li- live on the show, so this this will be. I didn't know we were doing this. I quite this is quite exciting. I, I know it is, isn't it? Let's let's see what we let's see what we get in next time. So we are getting. I, I think I've dropped them all over the floor. Um. Okay. So the, the next one is going to be. Oh, oh, here we go. Now we're talking. Uh, from Buxton Brewery. Um, a few years back, they released a series of Belgiany beers. Yeah. Um, one of which was uh, a quad, which was absolutely stunning. Um, and that is in the 50 beers for 50 years lineup, but also is the barrel aged version. And that's that's what I get to drink next is the barrel aged uh, quad from 2017, 
from Buxton Brewery. And Ooh. oh, I am really looking forward to that one. I, I tell you, I am really looking forward to that one. That, that, I mean, that is a goodie, actually, because that, that, that Belgian series is really good. That Belgian series was cracking, and the quad in particular was absolutely stunning. And I'm pretty sure they released this barrel age version uh, a year later. So that's hence why it's 2017. Yeah. But yeah, I shall look forward to, to trying that. Uh, you can follow my beery um, adventure, not adventures, just my singular beery adventure well, uh, on, on, on Twitter. Is it a singular beery adventure or 50 of them? It's 50 <laughs> of them. Hashtag 50 beers, 50 years. Um, I am doing a thread on, on, on Twitter that keeps them all linked together. So I'll be doing that in the next week or so. So you are going to... Keep an eye out for that and see if it lives up to the very high expectation that I have for it. I was going to say, a bit like I would be, I would definitely have high expectations based on the base quad. Because the quad for me was up there with a Straff Hendrick. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm pretty sure, I'm going to stick my neck out to say, I'm pretty sure the barrel aging was in bourbon barrels as, as well, which that would do things to a quad that's making my mouth water just thinking yeah. about it although not all of our listeners are fans no but we're going to come on to that a little bit later on spoiler yes um obviously the lagers have gone uh did you enjoy the... <laughs> yeah well they, they went about five minutes ago yeah did, did you enjoy the vienna lager it was it was delicious like i said if i if i look at utopian with all of the styles of lager that they do and it's the most recent vienna lager i had round corner that was just as good just a bit stronger Excellent. So for me, that's a compliment. Yes, massive, massive compliment, that. The Frisbee is what it is. It's a, it's a standard straight-up lager. Really, really enjoyable. Can't fault it, really. Can't fault it at all. Let's move on to the next round of beers. Um, different styles this time, but both the hazy. So that's where the, the, the kind of link is. So I think you've got, you've got a hazy lavender whip beer, haven't you? Yeah, um, which I have to admit, if I was, uh, and we probably should say thank you to Round Corner for sending these beers, um, I would probably not reach to the shelf to buy a beer that said hazy lavender wheat beer. Because I don't know about you, Steve, but I definitely associate lavender with a lot of things, not beer. Why do you think you ended up with that one? Well, yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Round combi, can you deliver them to my house next time, please? <laughs> I've got, <laughs> I've got a Shimmering Pond, which is their hazy Vermont IPA. Now I know the lads from Men Behaving Badly have raved about this beer, so I'm again, it comes with quite high expectations that this is this is going to be a fairly decent beer. Not not one that's the sort of style that I would normally go for, obviously. But it hasn't got any lavender, so you're still one up on me. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even sorry. No, you're not. No, not not after not after you've just spent the last 45 minutes going through your beery <laughs> adventures, telling me how great they've been. Yeah, I I, I feel like I've been uh, paid back. Martin has those beer <laughs> adventures. Here you go. Suck that one up. Yeah, keep, you keep banging on about taking one for the team. You can take that one for the team. <laughs> Right then. Well, we've both pulled them. Should we dive in? Uh, yeah, let's. I've, I've got a really big foamy head on mine, so I'm going to have to go something to get through it. But cheers. Cheers. Oh, nose on that. Yeah, the nose on that. <laughs> oh. Okay, so on, on the nose of this, there is big tangerine and peach. 
that is just spilling out of the glass and out of the can. And it comes through on, on the flavour as well. You, you get a really kind of citrusy, zingy hit of tangerine up front. And then it gives way and you get a little bit of peach, some tropical notes, some stone fruits, that sort of thing. No bitterness at all. Um, really soft finish. But actually, it all works. There's and and there's none of that. Um, there's none of that sugariness on on the end that I normally find I dislike with this sort of style. I think, um, and I'm just putting off talking about my beer. Um, I think <laughs> that, uh, especially over here, I think a lot of UK brewers have now really started to dial in on their New England IPAs because I'm finding less and less of that sugar cloying sweetness that and that slightly undercooked varietal of the new england ipas like okay we've done it we need to get it out there well maybe you should have left it for a little bit longer before you stick it in a can and send it out to people um i feel like it's a bit more rounded now this is it's like the new england ipa is maturing it's still not my favorite style but it's not one that i immediately go oh god i'm not looking forward to this i think it has got better i, I absolutely agree actually and I, 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 I think you're right in what you say that um, what we're beginning to see now is almost the next generation of New England IPA that British breweries are beginning to own. Yeah. And they've almost, they've almost started to redefine the style again. Uh, and a lot of them are bringing down the ABV because a lot of our ones started off really high ABV, very sweet, undercooked, underfinished. Whereas now we're getting much more towards that sessionable type of one that sort of beers which yeah you may give to someone who doesn't really say who often says i don't like beer well mm. here you go here's this but it's probably still at a decent percentage what one is your what percentage is your beer uh 5.6 okay it's a bit stronger than I, I thought it was by the way you described it my beer smells a bit soapy okay so and i'm going to assume some of that element is not necessarily from the wheat beer element because I quite like a wheat beer. It's from the lavender element. I don't know how much lavender has been involved, has been harmed in the making of this beer. Um, I know that I'm being harmed by by drinking it and taking it for the team. And it is a little bit perfumey. For want of a better phrase, I almost feel like I'm getting... It's putting me in mind the Palmer Violets. Okay, interesting. Um... And they were probably my least favourite sweet as a kid least favourite sweet as an adult and my least favourite flavour to a gin. Take him on for the team, mate. That's that's what it's all about. Um, yeah. I... When, Should we move on? <laughs> when we when we went to the tap room, at, actually, um, M tried that because uh, M likes wheat, wheat beer as well. And she didn't get on with it e either. So I, I, I don't think it's just you. And I, I think it, it possibly is the, um, the, the addition of the lavender to, to, to that. Oh, it's a club as well. Yeah, it's just with, noticed. Uh, White Hag. The White Hag, yeah. Why have, why have either of them thought that adding lavender to a beer is a good idea? I mean, seriously. I mean, no, you get you, you get so much flavour and aroma from a wheat beer. So that, I know it's not your particular favourite style, especially uh, the overt banana and sweetness sometimes, but I don't mind it. Why would you do the lavender to get rid of all of that? I've, I've no idea because heather's used quite in, in quite a lot of beers isn't it um yes and it's, it's uh, quite well, a pretty certain fine ales have used it yes yeah, it's, it's quite a traditional uh ingredient to add 
to, to, to a beer. Um, I can't really think of anything that overtly has ever had lavender added, added to it. Not as a consumable? No. You, most people would probably often, well, for me, I'd associate it with an old nan, aunt, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, yeah, Convy, we need to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> While you're enjoying your yeah. lavender wit beer, let's get on to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Opinions. And that is, uh, do you find yourself still getting excited by new beer releases? Not, not when they've got lavender in it, I don't. I, I knew you was gonna. I knew you was gonna <laughs> say that. Uh, Four hundred fifty-seven votes. Forty-five point one percent of people said yes. Fifty-four point nine percent of people said no. So actually, quite close. Um, it's been a while since we've had one, kind of within yeah. a ten percent range, really. Um, yeah, interesting question. This one, and I've got. I've got some thoughts on this, but I'm going to hang on to mine. Okay, I'll I'll do the same. So I'll dive into I'll dive into some comments to start off with. So from James at James Moosh, a few specific ones, yes, but overall I drink very few beers that are new to me. I enjoy the consistency of sticking to ones I know are well made and I know I like. Paul at UNRCD, I definitely get excited by new beer releases. Love trying new beers. Still times when old favourites appeal more though. From Grain Schooner, yes, I get excited for a completely different set of beers than I did when I first got into beer. I'm more likely to get excited for a Czech Pilsner versus a new imported barrel-aged stout. And from Christian Sinclair, I've gone the complete opposite these days and find myself drinking a lot of reliable core range cask beers. Mike Hampshire at Mike's Taproom. I do sometimes, but compared to a few years ago, it's significantly less. I'm much more interested in consistent quality now rather than new, often hyped, flash-in-the-pan beers. More often than not, I'll drink what I know to be good rather than new. Bamba Boozler at Gregor underscore J underscore. I have mixed feelings. I get excited when certain breweries release new beer and also when new breweries appear. However, I don't get excited for anything the big four breweries release as it's usually the latest Galaxy, Citra, Colombo, or diabetes stout. A similar sort of comment from Horsforth Brewer. It's at, if it's actually a new beer, yes. If it's a DDH dipper with citra and mosaic, when last week's was a DDH dipper with mosaic and citra, <laughs> then no. But people try new things, even if just new to that brewery, still excite me. And it wasn't just Horsforth Brewery that said that. It's uh, There were lots of similar comments. So Free Friends Beer Chris, um, Simon at Doc Gnome, Beyond the Pow at Ian Sutton 12, Chris Clough at Nine Squirrels Brew, and FPL David at David FPL as well. Also had a very similar um, set of comments there. Rob Zilla at Rob Many Handles. You get to a certain point in a beer journey when new is mostly just a rehash of something that's been done before. Really, really new experiences are few and far between. James at Gamma Baron. I do like new beer releases from breweries I like, especially if it's something a little left field for that brewery. But as so many new beers come out weekly, it's hard to keep up. Ultimately, no more FOMO. It's not worth the anxiety. The Owl Lady. It's nothing like as much as it used to be a few years ago. If I got that excited about new beer releases now, I'd be permanently exhausted because there are so many happening so frequently. FOMO is genuinely a thing of the past for me. 
from Adam Nicholson at Adam Nick. In all honesty, it feels really samey now, so I don't really get excited. Even less interested as I've only been having gluten-free beers since May, so basically options are limited. Really wish all breweries would just whack brewers' clarics in regardless of testing it. And then from Simon Clark, if it's a black IPA or American brown ale, then yes, because these great beer styles are rare and seem about as welcome as a fart in a spacesuit for the majority of drinkers these days. From Mark Johnson. Absolutely. Most of my online purchasing is because somebody has released a new beer that I have to try. These days, though, that new beer is something like a black IPA or an American red. Anytime somebody releases a new smoked beer, you can guarantee I'm there. And finally, Katsul at Katrinas. I have gotten very excited about a few red IPAs the last few days. A lot of love for red IPAs, Steve. I know. Any, any in particular you think they've been getting excited about? Well, you would have thought they would have name-checked the, the obvious one. I mean, come uh, yeah. on. This year's beer of the year. Oh, well, naturally. Oh. I mean, it, I don't know what we're going to do for the rest of the show at the end of the year. <laughs> beer of the year. Can, can we give ourselves brewer of the year? <laughs> brewer of the year with our, with our, with our helpers, Andy yes. and Lee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some really great comments there this week. Um, a lot of them going along a similar path uh, in, in, in terms of saying the um, number of new releases is almost exhausting and, and there's a lot of similarity in, in, in between the, the, the new releases. And I think when, when we posed this question, I'm, I'm guessing what I had in my mind was um, probably some of those big annual releases that, that, that we used to see. Um, the, the one that go probably... On. Go on, Steve. Yeah. Go on. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I don't know where this is going to go, um, <laughs> but bear with me on this. So Unhuman Cannonball from Magic Rock was always a really special beer to me. And I used to get really excited about the whole build up to the launch day and it being launched, and certainly in those first few years of release, the uncertainty as to whether you'd actually get a bottle on yep. or not because yep. it was so limited. And then obviously it moved to being released in cans and the availability come, became more, which is no bad thing, you, you know, because it means more people get to try the thing. Um, and then there was the whole thing a couple of years ago where it got shifted from its normal sort of spring release date and ended up getting released around Christmas. And now there's a bit of a theme here in terms of breweries trying to rewrite or erase their past. It, it's like Magic Rock don't even acknowledge that it ever existed now. And I find that really sad. That a, a beer that for a long time was was heralded as, as as being quite groundbreaking in in the UK. Yeah, no longer exists. I mean, guarantee you, the day after this releases this week, Magic Rock will announce that Unhuman Cannibal is being released like next week. It still doesn't get the same though. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, the build up to it, the uh, the few tap takeovers that would be available at the six sixty bomber that it was going to be yeah. in the, the beautiful looking bottle. It was an event. It was also at a time of the year where generally there weren't many other events happening or beer releases. So yes. It stood a little bit on its own, didn't it? Whereas when they did that first shift towards the back back end of the year, I'm thinking, well, we're getting into that winter time where all the big 
dark beers are coming out and be, and released and people are talking about them. You know, you might have Bourbon County Stout, you've got Fuller's Vintage Ale. Well, that, do I need a human cannonball on top of that? Well, Surely. I, I think also it, it kind of, the last time it was released, it literally, the week after, Siren released their Caribbean chocolate cake range, which, which is always kind of a, a, probably, if I had to really think about it, probably one of the own, only annual releases that I'm still, that I can think of that still exists is Siren's Caribbean chocolate cake. And I know they're, they've already started teasing this year's range. And when you, sorry, when you say annual release, you mean like in a series? Because obviously Fuller's is still. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. Released once a year. So. Yeah, but Vintage Ale is only released once a year. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't look at Fuller's like that. I don't know why. No. Yeah, but we get excited about it. We do get excited about it, and I, and I am excited about. It. I am, I, I am very, I'm always very excited about Fuller's, um, the, the the vintage. Beer I do. Releases. I mean, I get your point about the unhuman cannibal, I, and I, I completely agree. I think it's a real shame that um, that's the route that Magic Rock, as they are now, have taken um, with their beers because I haven't had Cannonball for a while, but you know, Cannonball. An unhuman cannibal, as uh, you know, and people have listened to the show <laughs> the last time we did the cannibal run, but it was an event, it, it was, was it, yeah, it was a genuine event. You were excited about it, like you said. Um, will you be able to get hold of one? Will you be able to get hold of two, have one fresh and age one? You know, it was, it was almost like a bit of panic, and that bit, them increasing uh, production, that is a good thing gives more people the chance to try it should never be that exclusive that people can't get hold of it so that that is a good thing but i've almost forgotten about it i've now. i i, I if, if i'm honest I, I i see a lot of what magic rock are putting out now as being it's the same as what everybody else is doing. There, there, there's, there's, there's nothing that makes them stand out for me. No, they're putting out in, a supermarket. They're putting out supermarkets. Yeah, yeah. That's what um, they're doing. I mean, I, I, if I went to the tap room again, I haven't been for a couple of years, but if I went to the tap room, I'm sure I, I would enjoy the beers. The I'm ones sure I, I chose would. to have. I'd, I'd get completely cannonballed, as, yeah. as I have done every time I've been there. But in, in terms of the, the, the question itself about getting excited uh, about new beer releases, um, I don't tend to find myself doing it so much these days however that being said there was a time quite recently when I did get very excited on, on a message to you and um, about a particular release that was coming out and that was the um the, the Abbeydale deliverance which was yep. the 100 minute hopped West, double west coast ipa and um, that was worth getting excited about it, it was, turned out to be fantastic it, it was and I, and I think but i think that they did a great job of hyping that because what they did on brew day that they were essentially live tweeting on on, on brew day and that the minute i saw that they were doing this i'm, I'm like hang on a minute they're they're, they're going to continuously hop this beer for 100 minutes i'm like I mean, when 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 can I get it? When when can I get my hands on this beer, sort of thing? And I did I did genuinely get excited about it, but I other than that, I can't remember the last time I got really excited or really FOMO about a beer being released. Oh, that was definitely my most recent one as well. When you because I think you had seen it during the day when I was um, caught up in 
continuous calls and you mentioned it and you had me at 100 minute IPA and I went yes that, that, that's as far as I got and then I and then I looked into it a bit more and I thought okay yeah if we're going to be going down that dogfish head route of their 90 and 120 minute IPAs I mean I'm all in um, and as it turned out well worth getting excited about it oh what a brilliant beer what but a I think brilliant a beer of, a couple of comments I think are really pertinent so James at Gammon Baron, I do like new beer releases from breweries alike. I think that's really important. That 100-minute IPA came from a brewery that we like, we know, we trust. And that's and I think that's part of it as well. I will often, once a brewery has me, I will try their beers. Mm, yeah, totally agree going, with that, yeah. Um, and But I would, the comment, pre, a couple of comments previous to that, if it's a new beer, yes. If it's a DDH dipper with citra and mosaic, when last week's was DDH dipper with mosaic and citra, no. Really good point. Really well put. The no, I'm not excited by that. As much as it might be that it's my favourite hops, what's the difference going to be between those two DDH beers? And I know we've said it in very simple terms, but I think the point is well made still. Can, um, can, I, can I just jump in and play devil's advocate there for a minute? Then? Yeah. How is that any difference what Colonel do? I don't think I ever get FOMO on Colonel, though. No, no, I know, but they essentially play around with the same combinations or, or similar yes. combinations of hops. I don't think you could accuse them of releasing the same beer, but just moving the, the words around. But th they do, um, like, like I say, re release a lot of beers that have got similar hop combinations. And you, it's interesting you say you don't get FOMO over Colonel, but if you walk into a bar and it's on... You, will, will you walk out of that bar without, without having a pint of Colonel? Uh, it's it's a, an unlikely turn of events, <laughs> given that Mother Kelly's had six taps on and I had two halves of both the Colonels. Okay, but maybe with the exception of if it's the Sabro one. Uh, if the Sabro one would definitely not be a FOMO moment. But I, I still don't think it comes under that FOMO element if we liken it to the Unhuman Cannonball. Or even to a certain extent, um, perhaps before the vintage ales always used to turn up in Waitrose from Fuller's as well. Yeah. Because um, I do still get excited about the Fuller's release. I, I generally I, get I excited. I, I am pestering M on a daily basis at the moment, asking her when the vintage ale is on the shelves so that we can have our standard annual box of them, please. Exactly. Sorry um, for everybody in Colchester that always wonders why there's no vintage hour in the first <laughs> first week of release because it's it's, it's, all, it's, it's all in it's all at home. Um, so yeah, I, I I do definitely I genuinely get excited about certain beer releases from certain breweries. Would I get excited about a brand new beer from a brand new brewery? Probably pretty unlikely. Yeah, I would say. I, I find myself getting excited along similar sort of lines. I find myself getting excited, uh, particularly in, in, in terms of one of my favourite beers, Oregon Trail. I get excited when Andy brews a new batch of that. <laughs> Ooh, that I'll tell you what, uh, a good example then. Uh, Brew York recently brought out the Imperial Big Eagle. They the did, Imperial yes. Eagle. Yeah. Got excited about that. And you've had it as well, haven't you? Yes. And it's... Yes. Oh, seriously, 9%. Um, it, 
it is uh, so spring. So obviously we had the Big Eagle, which was a seven plus percent one. Then they brought it down to the the, the core range Big Eagle, which is in the sixes. Um, this is nine percent. So easy to drink. But once I saw that was landing, which again, I think you told me first anyway, once I saw the Eagle was landing, I did purchase some. So I have, again, I have a couple of cans stashed away for you, Steve. Um, so you will get to enjoy it. But yes, it was absolutely fantastic. I did get excited about that. So I think I definitely get excited about beers, but those cannon, unhuman cannonball moments, which I think is a really great descriptor for you and I, I'm not sure I have those. Okay, so is that that's possibly not down to the beers though, is it? That's that that's down to those breweries simply not making an event out of them anymore. I think when, there is part when, of that. when they used to. Yeah, um, there probably is part of that. And, and I think yeah, for me it's like yeah, yeah, I see a lot of new beer releases on my Twitter feed. You, you know, and we do. And I, I, like I said, that there are a couple of people in there that said it, it's exhausting the amount of new beer releases. You simply can't keep up with them. But I, there's very few of them that make it an event now. Yeah. No, no, you're right. I think because we've got so used to, maybe it's a consequence of what's happened over the last year and a half. We've got so used to everything being online and then order, deliver. There isn't an event wrapped around it which referencing back to one of my beery adventures with the bohemian idols it was quite nice because i probably would have still been interested to try it but to actually go and meet some people who were trying it all at the same time did make it more of an event like when we used to go to the craft beer co in in islington to go and have unhuman cannibal but you wouldn't have it straight away because you'd have cannibal yeah you, you have to build up to it yeah you built you built up to it so again it was an event Turn up at the Budvar thing. I had Budvar first of all. You build up to it, so it adds just those little bit of layers to it. Um, but you know, even taking that aside, yes, you could definitely. I mean, if you tried to go for every new release, and also there just isn't enough points of difference with those no. beers. The beers we've referenced, I like to think there is a point of difference between them and a lot of the other beers in their categories. Fuller's Vintage Ale, Unhuman Cannibal, some of those West Coast IPAs we've referenced from Elusive and Brew York, and, you know, the fantastic 100-minute double IPA from Abbeydale. They all stood out. Yeah, and, and you can, to a certain extent, I know, I know some people are probably going to be thinking this, take the ownership out of the equation of some of these breweries as well, because we're, we're just focusing on, on, on the beers right now. Um, but I can't help but think that the the ownership of magic rock is partly the reason why we don't see the excitement or we don't even see unhuman cannonball anymore no. because it's not it's not financially viable is it it probably it probably never was financially viable and they probably never they probably that those people if they're all if they look at it balance sheet don't get it no but what it did what it did do was put magic rock front and center for that period of time well, absolutely yeah yeah so yeah. actually, that, that yeah, I think maybe that went off in slightly different tangents and stuff. But a the, the comments were really interesting, and some of them definitely resonated. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and that's that's only a snapshot of, of the comments that, that we got this week. As always, there'll be a link to the question in the show notes. So if you want to read through all of the comments, you can click through and, and have a look at what everybody had to say about it. Keep this conversation going. Use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in Lingerness. Write it down. From your boy, Rob Edwards audible sunshine on this grey Thursday. Thanks, Rob. Very nice comment about the last show. From Johnny Beer Boy. Cracking show, guys. Great to hear the story of a small business coming together and then surviving what we all went through. Also enjoying the lovely pastoral pseudo-bucolic scene of a community hop harvest on an industrial estate. Beautiful. And from James at Gammon Barron. Cask GG Yorkshire Head from the KWVR Beer Festival. And of course, James accompanied that with a fantastic picture, as of we course. suspected he would. <laughs> yeah, never in any doubt that. Never in any doubt. From Ian Hay, excellent episodes. Leeds Brewstyle was a fantastic guest and seriously hope I get to visit Leeds soon. Give it a listen. A brewer does keg as specials and as cask as default is right up there as far as I'm concerned. Paul at UNRCD. Really enjoyed the episode. Really nice to hear Katie talk about Nomadic and her journey. Also loved the pouch of Jester Pale Ale I had a few months ago. Dr. Goggles. Great episode. Really enjoyed the chat. The Nomadic Beers Tap Room is great if you ever get the chance to visit. From Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia. Enjoyed the show as always. On Green Hop Beers, I enjoy Adnam's Wild Hop but I believe the hops are frozen as they aren't collected on the same day. Still technically fresh as they're not dried. On English hops, I very much like Green Jack Brew's Jester. And from Points of Brew, excellent listen and a very interesting take on the poll from all involved. Can see the argument on both sides, but like the idea of a localised green hop festival next year, that's for sure. And then from Mark Johnson, lovely episode and and to hear love of the nomadic who Kaz and I have long championed. Also agree with Katie about barrel aging. Rare that I love a whiskey or bourbon barrel aged beer, but the hit rate with other styles is much higher. All the sherry beers, please. And then the last comment, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to that comment. I saw you were going to jump in there, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, the last one this week on Bitter and Lingerness, uh, and I think this might be a first this is some feedback that came in via Untapped. Uh, sorry, sorry, what? Via Untapped, because there's a, um, a messenger thing on there, isn't there, where people can send you messages. Yeah. So Rob L, uh, thanks for sending this to us. Uh, he tried from Orbit Beers, WLS 065 Green Hopped Owl. And in his comment, he simply said, inspired by the Herpinions episode. Really good beer. So it's, it's, it's great that people are getting in touch with us Fire on chat to share their views as well. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, thank you very much for that. And um, glad you enjoyed it as well as the inspiration. Yeah. Right. You want to go back to Mark's comment, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, the sherry barrel thing. Um, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I like whiskey, I like bourbon, and I haven't found a sherry yet, but I like. Um, so I'm, I struggle with any of the ones that come out of the sherry barrels. Um, but I do like the ones which come out of wine barrels, like white and red wines. And I think we may have touched upon that with Katie as well. So I think we've had some nice beers out like Pinot Noir barrels. And I think they work really well. But I definitely get for some people why a lot of that vanilla and oak 
from either the white wine barrels or from some of the bourbon barrels doesn't work for people. I have to admit the sherry doesn't work for me. I'm I'm think I'm with you on the wine um, there because I, I I do like it when you've you've got a a beer that's been aged in some, some wine barrels and what it actually begins to do is pick up some of them tannins as as well. Um, I really enjoy that feeling um, that that a wine barrel can give to a beer. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I've cracked open another beer because I need to wash away some lavender. Okay, I'm guessing you didn't enjoy the, the, the Zomba then. It added nothing positive for me, I have to admit. Um, in fact, it probably detracted a bit from the wheat element. It almost feels like, do you know where this beer would have sat quite nicely? Would have been when Siren used to do their Rainbow series. Oh, yeah. Because then Lavender would have picked, you would have been able to do that as the colour. There's another one. Beer. There's, there, there's another one that used to be, that was a massive event. Every year, wasn't it that people yeah. used to get really wasn't excited someone else, about? Wasn't someone else going to take that on? I see. Was to it was it Daya or Verdant that were that, was, that were going to take it on? Yeah, then it just never happened again. No, um, but yeah, so that would have sat there because it would have been a bit quirky. Although the beer's not got the lavender colour, it's got people associate lavender probably with some sort of purple hue, that kind of thing. Uh, but no. It added nothing to the beer. However, I now have the gunmetal black lager in my glass, and I can't wait to drink it. Okay, I'm just going to, just before I let you drink that, the Shimmering Pond was really tasty, actually. Um, not a style I'm a fan of, Hazy Vermont IPA. Um, lots of fruity notes going on in that. Uh, no sweet finish, no bitterness. Just, just really, really easy to drink. If, if anything, I'd say maybe it just became a little bit too fruity towards the end of it. But other than that, you know, at 5.6%, again, uh, another beer that is is very sessionable, um, unlike the one that I've just poured, which is uh, Underwater Song, which is a Baltic Porter, and it's 8.2%. So whereas you started high and you're finishing <laughs> low, um, I've gone the other way. So I started low and I'm, I'm, I'm finishing high. Um, but uh, yeah, these two match together because essentially, as, as we found out quite recently, a Baltic Porter is a lager, which I That's never what knew. we got told. Never knew. But cheers. Anyway, cheers. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, that's delicious. Go on, you go first, because your, your one sounds really interesting as well. There's the first thing you get, just just as you bring bring it to your mouth to take a sip is there's a, there's like a hit of coffee um it's not there on the flavor though it, it it disappears quite quickly it's it's quite uh it's got a roasted bitterness to it but it's it's really smooth um like almost velvety smooth uh and and just totally delicious the gun metal i've had before loved it then love it now so easy to drink what I do also like about it is it's um, those slightly some of those chocolate notes that you may get and a sort of roasted notes you get a bit more of the Budvar they're a bit more uh, subtle yeah um, I, I mean the Budvar Dark is still one of my favourite dark beers um, but this works so well I'd say this is probably actually a bit more drinkable than having a Budvar it's because Budvar Dark always puts me in mind probably my last memory of having it uh, when we were away is snow, fire, that kind of thing. 
this definitely feels like you could drink this all year round. The gum, is it? I enjoyed. Like I said enjoyed it before. We did, did we try a barrel aged version of this there, before? There is. We uh, M and I drank a lot of gunmetal when we went to the tap room. We also drank a lot of the barrel aged version of it as as well, um, which is just ridiculously delicious. Which explains why when I asked you something earlier, you couldn't remember then. Probably, yeah. <laughs> my my memories are very hazy from, from from that visit, as I think I said earlier. Um, but 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 no, I mean again, some some great beers here from from, from round corner, and and we're really grateful to to Combi for sending them down to us to uh, try some more of his beers on the show. So these, uh, I mean, he sent us a box of twelve different beers. So that yeah. just shows the range that, that that Round Corner have available at the moment. Um, there were some core range beers in there, which we did feature earlier on in the year, but also some of the new ones that we've tried tonight. So I, I think it's great to see that they're they're continuously adding to their range. Yep, and as I noted before, Cobby is definitely sticking to his love of the three thirty cans as well. So you know, good on him for sticking with that. Um, I. I really enjoyed the yuzu, but it didn't feel saisony. Um, Vienna lager was excellent. The dark lager was excellent. The lavender one should never, ever happen again. So uh, two very good ones. One which wasn't saisony enough and one which should be in the sea. I've enjoyed all of mine. Well, F you, friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Um, just a reminder to our listeners that we are currently running um, a listener survey. It's the first time we've done it in about four years, and we really would value your input. Thanks to everybody that's taken the time to complete it so far. We, we appreciate the time you've taken to do that, uh, especially the person who decided that they really needed to let us know that they like Marmite on cheese on toast with beans on top. So thanks for that. Um, um, that's exactly why we put that any other comments box in there for, for, for those sorts of things. Um, yes. We may never try it on the show though. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sleep better tonight. No, not knowing that, but um, <laughs> there will be a, a link in the show notes. We are going to keep that running, I think until the end of November. Um, and then I think what we plan to do is, and I think we did this last time as well, is we'll do a show in the new year where we go through some of the comments and we'll actually discuss them and, 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 and talk about them um, because there's been some, there's been some stuff in there that we can work on and, and we, we will acknowledge that we can work on it but we want to tell you how we're going to do that sort of thing. So please take some time to, to, to fill it out there. Again, as I said, there's a link in the show notes, click on it. It's going to take no more than five, 10 minutes of your time tops. Um, we will be eternally grateful if you can do that. What is coming up on the next show, mate? Oh, I'm excited about the next one. I do have to admit. Um, after after have... the plaudits that we've laid tonight, I'm very yeah. excited about it. Yeah. So, uh, Jim, from Abidale Brewery is going to be on the show with us next time. And you know, we're going to be we're going to be talking trad, craft, funky, all of the and all of the things in between. Um, no idea what beer lineup we're going to be doing yet, but I I'm I'm pretty certain I'll, I'll enjoy it. Um, so yeah, it should be really good fun. I mean, Jim's Jim's a cracking listen anyway. We've heard him on a couple of other shows over the last two or three years, and he had, he was instrumental in a hundred minute IPA. So what could go wrong? Yeah, I, I am really looking forward to the next show. And I, and I think Abby Dow are one of 
possibly only a handful of breweries in the UK that you can confidently say transcend a lot of different types of brewing? Definitely. Definitely. I think without giving too much away a part of our conversation with Jim, there are probably a lot of people who only know them for maybe one of those three things. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than all of them. So it's going to be great to, to, to chat to Jim about that. Um, I don't know about you, mate, but I am going to take my Baltic Porter, my underwater song at 8.2%. I'm not going to rush this one because it is really delicious. And I am going to enjoy this long after this week's show has finished. Just encourage all of our listeners to continue using the hashtag opinions to get involved in the show. And I guess probably all that's left to say this week is cheers. Cheers. Yes, sir.